Hey baby, can we check some ID? If you're under 18, feel free to keep listening. But remember, baby pink gin should never be consumed by anybody under the legal drinking age. Remember to always drink wise. What are the real stories behind successful female-run businesses? Not the ones that started with huge social media accounts, high public profiles or tons of cash. The businesses that actually started from scratch. Sit down as we spill the G&T. Hi everyone and welcome to Spill the GNT. I'm your host, Ellen Weichel, and I'm also founder and director of Baby Pink Gin. Now today I have the pleasure of sipping a BPG and T with the fabulous Maddie Gleason, founder and director of Melbourne-based company I Am Thirsty, which produces dehydrated garnishes to complement any cocktail. In a very candid chat, Maddie explains how the downfalls of her past have led to create the super successful company that she has now. A true example of when one door closes, another door opens. I have no doubt that Maddie's story behind I Am Thirsty will spark nothing but positivity, optimism and motivation for everyone listening. So without further ado, here's Maddie. Hey Maddie, welcome to the Spill the G&T podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> Baby Pink Gin stocks Maddie's gorgeous I Am Thirsty products, the dehydrated fruit that you see in our gift boxes and online. So we're going to hear all about how she came to start this business. Um, but before we get into that, I really would love to know, what is your go-to cocktail at the moment after a long, hard day of work? Ooh, I had a very spritzy summer. I'm loving a spritz at the moment, uh, particularly an elderflower spritz. So just a G&T with an elderflower cordial will get me through the nights. Yeah, we love that. We love the elderflower with baby specifically, specifically. obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the fever tree elderflower tonic is delish. So we love that. So I actually don't know much about your beginnings. Um, I know what you're doing now. I know what you did just prior to what you're doing now, but I'd love to hear more about your entire career journey from kind of finishing up school to what you're doing now. Take us through (laughs) the journey. I feel like it has been a journey. Let me tell you, I finished, obviously graduated from high school. I studied, or I grew up here in Melbourne, and then I moved to the Gold Coast where I studied at Bond University. I started studying psychology Uh, Long story short, I switched into journalism and then I worked as a journalist. I worked for a magazine um, up on the Gold Coast and so we worked across Brisbane to Byron Bay and had a great time doing that. It was so much fun, obviously. And then I moved back to Melbourne. I worked for a PR agency and I was fired from that agency. (laughs) Moved to another agency, got fired from that agency. So put it this way, PR is not my strong point. And I didn't study PR, so I mean, it makes sense. But you come to Melbourne as like a young girl, I feel like it's just this gateway drug to just like having the best time in Melbourne. So (laughs) I was like, I want to go to all the events. I want to be like here, there and everywhere. And with like Instagram at the time, I feel like everyone was working like PR marketing jobs. So it does end up being as glamorous as it looks on Instagram, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) But yeah, so that was what I did for a bit. And then I hit a bit of a breaking point where I was like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like, I don't want to be doing this. So I ended up moving to the Northern Territory where I worked on a cattle station. Wow. Yes. So I worked as a station hand for a little while before coming back to Melbourne. 
where I worked for another PR agency (laughs) this time (laughs) in social media and then that didn't work out either. And then I ended up working at the Woolworths Group in marketing, which I actually quite enjoyed, but I made a cheese platter for a friend, I put it on Instagram and then all of a sudden people were like, that's the best platter I've ever seen. And I was like, how ridiculous is a cheese platter? And this was before platters were a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I just kind of ran with it and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll make a platter for you and you and you. And then I remember saying to my dad, I'm going to make, like, cheese boards for corporates. And my dad was like, you're going to quit your job to go and make cheese boards. And I was like, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) it worked. (laughs) Somehow it all worked perfectly and the business was like extremely successful. We had a great team. COVID hit, ruined everything. Yes. (laughs) Imploded the whole business. And I know a lot of people sort of popped up with grazing businesses and they were like, you know, you can deliver a hundred boxes in a day. There's still money in it. But our setup, it just didn't work that way because we had team and overheads and to deliver, you know, like 60 boxes in a day as opposed to set up one board in one location for a hundred people. It was just, it didn't work for us that kind of frame so I had all these bills and I had staff to pay and I was like I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do and then someone posted actually they were at Hazel for dinner Mm -hmm. in Melbourne and they had this apple teeny it had a dehydrated apple in it and I was like that looks amazing I want to make that and I couldn't find a dehydrated apple anywhere that looked this like the way this apple did so I just dehydrated my own and then I've tried a few other things. I literally went and bought a dehydrator like that day mm-hmm. from Chef's Hat. Um, yeah, dehydrated a bunch of things and I went into work. I'll never forget carrying this little blue dehydrator and being like, guys, I have an idea. We're going to do dehydrated fruit. <laughs> and they just looked at me like, are you kidding? <laughs> and also it was like, how much dehydrated fruit are we going to make in this tiny little dehydrator? Yeah. So yeah, I just, that was how it sort of started and that's how I've ended up where I am now with I Am Thirsty. Well, it's obviously a lot has transpired between then and now, but yes. that was how I kind of pivoted out of I Am Bored into Thirsty. It was like partly based on necessity, like we just couldn't keep running the business, we were running the way the world was operating at that time. But also there was a real opportunity throughout COVID to kind of shift and look at values and like what I wanted in my life. And with I Am Bored, I was working I'd say like 118 hours mm. a week. Like seriously, I would sleep for about three hours a night. Oh and my God. Other than that, I was working. I missed so many moments in friends' lives. I was never out. Like I just work, work, worked. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't want to keep doing that. Like I was 23 when I started that and I'm 27 now. I mean, why would I do that when I could run a business that's like Monday to Friday, nine to five? So yeah, yeah. that was kind of how I switched out. Oh, that's so interesting because I kind of always wondered what the tipping point was for I Am Bored because you still saw, obviously, people were doing a lot of picnics, they were doing a lot of grazing, but obviously if you were set up in that corporate environment with such a massive team, then it just obviously would have died. So yeah, it was not ideal. I was always like, I thought I was great because I'd nailed this whole corporate thing and like we had a really good hold on that when it came to grazing in Melbourne. Mm. So... Once people weren't in offices and these events weren't happening, we were screwed. Like, Mm. you kind of really relied on those little gifting things, but it was completely opposite to what our business model was. Like, we were going big or going home, and then it was like, oh, wait a minute, you really need to capitalise on these people's, like, third birthday parties. And (laughs) it just wasn't really what we were designed to do. So it was unfortunate, but 
it was the best thing for us. And I think it's it's great to see people still out there and like making those businesses work because it's a great business idea. There's a lot of money in it. So, you know, I wish all those people all the success. But for us, we just couldn't survive once corporates were basically no longer operating how they had been for history mm. <laughs> until COVID. So. And although yeah. it may look quite similar from the outside, when you think about it, you really switch from a catering business into a product business. So completely I imagine <laughs> it's completely different. Have you kept most of those original staff or is it a new team? So we have quite, we have quite a few new people. We still have one of our Iron Board team. The other three girls all graduated from uni throughout COVID, so <laughs> yes. they've moved on. But um, obviously we still... Uh, like I love those girls they're always coming in they're always um, supporting Thirsty which is great Um, I don't know it's really nice when you work and I don't know if you experience it but you work with a lot of young people when you're a young business owner and it's really nice to see these people kind of go from they start working for you in their first year of uni and then by the time they graduate you're learning more from them than you were ever able to teach them it's like it's really nice so I mean still now when we launch a new product we get the label from our designer and I'll send it to like Bella, Charlie and Lizzie and be like, girls, what do you think about this? And they'll like give their feedback. So that's really nice. But we do, our team is quite different now. It's not just young people kind of in uni. It's more like we have a 50-year-old man in our team, which to me is like quite funny. It's like, so I'm the boss, um, but most (laughs) of my team are now older than me. So Yeah. yeah, only two people are younger than me now out of our team of, I think there's seven of us. I love that though. I I have a similar experience. So it can be weird, but you know, if it works, it works. And if everyone's happy with it, then who cares? No, it's great. Yeah, I love it. I just wanted to go back a little bit to how you saw that gap in the market. So you saw the dehydrated apple at Hazel. And then was it as quick as that in terms of you just found you couldn't find anything and you just decided this is the thing? Like what led you to actually commit to that exact product market and shift completely away from Iron Board? Like was there any other research that you did to make this call or was it just a gut feel? It was definitely just a gut feel. I didn't do any research. I just, I've always operated on instinct and my values, like the two main values in my life are fun and freedom. And so for me, this was like, this is such a fun idea and it is going to provide me the freedom to like have weekends and nights. So like, why don't I just have a crack? Like the worst thing that can ever happen is you fail. Yeah. Like I, I just think people don't understand. People are like, how do you just start something and like <laughs> run with it? It's like, because what happens? I fail. Like I don't care. I don't have anyone in my life that's going to judge me or criticise me. I'll be like, oh, did you see that she like really went for that and then failed? So I just went all in. And so the first thing I did was contact our designer, Lies, who like immediately, she was like, I love it. It's just going to be like this. And this is how it's going to look. And I was like, oh my God, exciting. And just straight away, as soon as I got everything from her, I was like, this will sell. It will just sell because it's cute to look at. (laughs) It's fun. Like, and I think this is one of the main things that people talk to me about is they want to start these businesses that are going to change the world. And it's like, that's great. And if you do that, kudos. But the businesses that seem to just work are just these simple little ideas. Like you don't need to change the world. You just have to have something fun. And, A I mean, cute product. Totally. <laughs> and in 2022, it's like, if it looks good on Instagram, people are going to buy it. Totally. 
um, which is not our whole business model, but as soon as I saw it, I thought this will sell. That's a big part of it that a lot of the market, especially the market in food and beverage that is run by older men who don't (laughs) recognise that, you know, that's where we can really capitalise because we know the value of a good Instagram story and we just are going to grab all of that from them. (laughs) And it's so good to see so many young women taking up that space. I think it's so cool because, like, we didn't grow up seeing that and, like, social media didn't exist when we Mm. were even... I mean, Instagram came out when I was in year 12, so, as in in Australia, but... You know, like I didn't, I don't remember having those experiences with brands as like a 15, 16 year old girl. Mm. So now I'm like, how cool that girls in high school are like, oh, wait a minute, like these girls have taken over the beverage industry, food manufacturing. Like it's really cool. And we also, we're not scared to show like the nitty gritty, the ins and outs, the behind the scenes. Whereas yep. I feel like you can tell the difference now that those businesses that are so curated and it's like we've outsourced our social media and this and that. Whereas we're like, hey, this is me. Like, I haven't slept, like, all yes. night because we've got this order to go and, like, da-da-da-da. Like, I think that that's where young women in particular have been able to come into those industries and be like, here's how we're doing it different. Like, people want to see that. People want to know what goes into, like, making a gin Absolutely. or dehydrating an orange. Like, we always are willing to put everything out on the table and I think that's why it's been so successful. And Instagram helps that so much because it's, like, immediately I can be like, here I am, this is what I'm doing here's how it's going to be better than what anyone else is doing. Like, your messaging is so clear and so instant. People want to see the nitty-gritty, as you say, and that's kind of why I wanted to start this podcast, and I knew you'd be perfect for it, because you're not one to sugarcoat things or glaze over things, (laughs) or, you know, you're not going to lie on this podcast and say, oh, yeah, it's really easy and blah, blah, blah. The whole point is just to be like, you know what, this is where I fucked up, this is what was good, because... At the end of the day, I think you and I have a really similar mindset, which I think is so important to have in that there's enough business out there for everyone. If people are going to, you know, start a competing business or whatever it is, that's fine. Because if you're, you know, the best in that business or you're just doing your best, it's all going to be fine. So all this gatekeeping and stuff is just not not worth it. So I knew that you would provide our listeners with some really, (laughs) like, you know, tangible lessons and advice. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, yeah, I love sharing, like, what we do and how we go about it because, I mean, I saw this thing on TikTok the other day and it was like, if people are copying you, it's like you always know... They have to wait for you to make your next move before they can make theirs anyway. And I was like, I kind of love that. But also, how cool is it to learn from other people? And it's like you don't have to directly copy what people are doing, but there's, you know, I can be inspired by you making a completely different product than I'm making. It's just about getting your story out there and sharing what it takes so that other people can like take that with them on their journey. I guess staying on that theme, I would love to know the process of how you learn to develop your products and come up with the line that you have now, which is a massive line of products. Um, I know you mentioned the the little blue dehydrator that you brought into the <laughs> warehouse, but from there, you know, how did you perfect the recipes? How did you kind of scale it from there and learn what what the hell it was to dehydrate certain things what was really it's really simple it's a really simple process you slice it and you put it on a tray and you put it in the dehydrator (laughs) and you put it on whatever temperature we sit around 50 55 degrees and it does it for you overnight so 
it's it wasn't a hard thing to learn. The hardest thing for me to learn was like selling products online. Like that was actually more difficult. The the food part is like you can dehydrate oranges in your house if you want. I mean, don't obviously buy ours. But, <laughs> but you can. Like, they'll be gross. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you can try. <laughs> that they won't be like in a cute jar. Exactly. <laughs> they won't be branded. You're not like supporting small business. <laughs> so it's like it's a simple process. There was not. And I mean, I'd already worked with food, so I understand how food works. I understand like food storage, all of that, and that comes into it as well. It's like you can't just be like making oranges and leaving them in the dehydrator for the whole weekend while like you go to Paris or whatever. Like you've <laughs> totally. got to be, you know. So there's like an element of just understanding how food works. Yes, but yeah, I mean, to dehydrate, I didn't have to learn much, but to sell it online. Holy shit. That is so hard. Selling online is so hard. <laughs> I can sell cheese boards to anyone, but I cannot sell online. Well, I can, but I, See, I had to learn. I would feel the opposite. <laughs> Tell me why you think it's hard to sell online rather than selling a service, I guess. Oh God, I have no idea. I couldn't even tell you. I find it that hard. I couldn't even tell you. But I think that when you're selling a service, like you're face-to-face with customers, so you're relying on word of mouth. It's like you go, you turn up, you have the opportunity to, like, put your best foot forward, meet someone, sell them on you, sell them on the whole idea. Online, you're trying to like tell that story through words and pictures and you're trying to create this narrative. And it's the same, but it's when you can't actually get your personality. And you can on social media, but even on a website, I'm like... Just love me. Yes. <laughs> like, I promise I'm great. Yes. And you are so such difficult. a lovable person and very much a part of your brand and that is a lot harder to translate online for hard. sure. It's very hard. But in saying that, you can learn. Like, there's so many resources out there to learn and even, like, listening to podcasts like this. Like, I know I will get so much value from listening to you talk to people about how you sell because I know how much you sell because you're buying the oranges. (laughs) I know what's going on over here. But, um, yeah, I think that it's it's great to just capitalise on, you know, podcasts or books or whatever because, I mean, I don't have all the answers. And I'm sure people will be like, oh, yeah, they're, like, killing it and rah-rah, but I know that we can be doing better. Like, I know we can be doing so much better. So... And I feel if the I, same. Like, no one has all the answers. Yeah, no one And that's why has. you just have to have kind of a... I don't, I don't want to use the word. I was about to say girl gang. Um, and then my <laughs> mind went to sisterhood. But I guess, like, a supportive network of other female yeah. business owners that are happy to share their insights, even with just logistics, inventory management, exactly, totally. selling online, e-commerce. Um, it's just so helpful because everyone is going to have little tips and tricks that they can totally. share that's going to just power everyone up. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think I have made this mistake so many times over the years and I think I have finally learnt is that I've always wanted to do everything myself and be like, look at me, look what I can do and I'm not scared and I'm going to take this on and whatever. But you actually need people. You actually need a community and a support network and it's like that's the difference between just like having a business and having a successful business is having people that will you know, mention you in rooms of opportunity or people that will say, oh, my God, I love, you know, this gin you've made me when they're at a friend's house, like, you know what it needs, things like (laughs) that. You know, it's just you need people. And I think I have always had that mentality of, like, just do it yourself and, like, because that is your value is in what you can do. Like, you have these skills. This is your power. And now I'm like, actually, no. My power is that look around and like all these people feel part of this thing and that's so much more fulfilling than with Iron Board where I was just like a workhorse and yeah it's so much nicer to be surrounded by 
like a community of people that, yeah, will lift you up and help you and give you advice when you need it. Yeah, and I, I definitely have to learn to do the same thing because I <laughs> am a very <laughs> tiny team. And, you know, I love being here in the shared working space. But, you know, all my girlfriends always have little, like, our business cards are coasters and they <laughs> always have a bunch in their handbags. And whenever they're at, like, a bar or a restaurant, they'll be like, even if they know they don't have a baby, they'll be like, um, do you have baby pink gin? Yeah. And then the bartender <laughs> will be like, oh, no, what's that? And they'll be like, oh, awkward like as if you <laughs> as if you don't and then like, but I love that like, that's the magic and like that's we laugh about it but how many how many times does that actually get your foot in the door like it's ridiculous some of the totally. things that come my way and I'm like that all happened because this friend mentioned this to this person who said and then I'm like oh my god mm. <laughs> like I could have sent a million emails and not got as far exactly. as exactly yeah you really need to like kind of utilize everyone's touch points and it's fun with businesses like ours in the they are easy to work into conversation and like people just turn to talk about them you know we don't own a plumbing business I just have my bathroom redone Um, I mean that still probably would be word of mouth but you know our our products luckily are fun to talk about and people like to be connected to it which is really nice I really love when people love to say like you know, oh, my friend is the owner of Baby Pink Gin. It's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I love that nice. shit. It is really fun. I actually had a really fun moment the other night. I was at Turak Sellers and my friends were, like, selling me off to some woman. <laughs> and she has this. And I'm always like, oh, my God, I get so embarrassed. Like, everyone yeah. stopped. But they're like, oh, my God. And so then they got the Instagram up and they were showing her. And she's like, oh, my God, I got this for Christmas. And oh, then, I love and I that. I love that. You would know that feeling yes. as well. Where, like, you'll randomly be talking to someone about what you're doing. And they'll be like, oh, my God, I have your stuff. And I'm like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, there's no better feeling. Yes. When there's someone who literally has no connection to you at all, I'm still getting used to it, especially coming out of COVID and actually being able to talk to people, someone who has literally no connection to you and they literally just saw it on Instagram or saw it in the newspaper or whatever and they're like, oh, yeah, I've got a bottle at home. And yeah. it's like, oh. Like, they bought it. Like, they spent <laughs> their money without knowing who like, you like are. Like, you don't know my mum? Like, you're yeah. not a friend of my mum's or anything like yeah. that? <laughs> no, I to- it's the best feeling. I totally agree. Yeah. Leaning back to the previous question, how did you scale up? Because I've seen just from your Instagram and your Instagram stories, both scaling up the number of products that you have, but also yeah. just like the huge amounts of <laughs> units that you create. And as you say, it does take 24 hours to dehydrate the fruit. So I can imagine you have probably had to invest in more inventory, more dehydrators, bigger dehydrators, more jars, more labels. Take us through that because, I mean, what, it's only been... Has it been two years? Okay, so this is interesting. So technically I made the decision to start in January of 2021. And then I was like, wait a minute, board is really about to fail. Like board is, we're not going anywhere. Like events are not coming back. And I was kind of going to be this thing on the side just so we could pay the bills. So in June of last year, I was like, I'm shutting iron board and I'm going all in on this. So really it's been from June. Up until June, I was using my little blue dehydrator and we were just kind of like doing it. Oh my God. Wow. I didn't realize. Yeah. So what does that make it? I don't even know. What time flies in like so nine, nine months? months. Okay, yeah. I had a baby in that time. <laughs> but anyway, I, yeah, we started with that blue. When I went in on June, I was like, all right, we're going to buy a big dehydrator and I will never forget the day it came and we like unwrapped it and it was huge and we were like oh my god this dehydrator like it's gonna take us years to fill it up it's gonna take us like <laughs> half an hour to fill the little one like it's gonna take all day and then 
I mean, three months later, we had to buy another one, but we actually bought one double the size of that one. How so cool. then it was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. And then it, now that one's the little one. The blue one's up in the roof somewhere. I don't even know where that is. But that, oh, my gosh. That other June one was became the little one, and then we had to buy another one of the double size. So now we've got three dehydrators running. They're so expensive to buy. Like... It's ridiculous how much it costs to buy a dehydrator. Given that they're, like, really just running a fan, I get why they're expensive, but I remember being like, oh, my God, I really hope this works because this is, like, all my money. This is all the savings. Like, I shut iron board thinking, all right, I'm not in any debt. This cash can keep me going for a bit, and then I had to be like, okay, well, this cash is now going into buying dehydrators, so I hope it pays off. Um, Obviously, part of that was getting more staff to actually fill the dehydrators. We went from buying, you know, like, 100 of each size jar to pallets of jars. And I mean, the hardest part of that for me has been we don't have a forklift. <laughs> so I have to run around my area and like oh. get all the nice men in the area to be like, can you bring your forklift around and <laughs> they like unload the trucks for me? But yeah, I mean, it it's grown and it's grown really fast. And I think the important thing for me has always been sustainable growth. Like I don't ever want to overcommit or overstretch and then end up financially like in trouble. My So I'm quite lucky. I've always operated in cash, so we don't have any credit cards, overdrafts. I don't have any debt. And I think that obviously puts you in a place of privilege. And I understand that comes from a place of privilege to even be able to do that. Totally. But for me, it's really important that we stay operating in that way. And that means we have to grow sustainably. It means that we can't take on huge projects or huge suppliers and be like, okay, we'll just give you, you know, millions of units tomorrow. So sometimes still people will place an order and we'll have to dehydrate to order. So we'll be like, guys, we're going to get all oranges in for baby tomorrow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, like, but that's how it works. Like, we we don't hold heaps of stock. Like, the stock turnover is really high because we keep everything as minimal as we can. It's like a low-risk business is mm. my ideal. So that's essentially, yeah, how we operate. That's really interesting because we work with, yeah, no overdrafts, no credit cards either. Yeah. But still the idea of basically draining your bank account to invest in, yeah, new staff or new inventory is seriously scary. Like I still find it really scary. And to see your growth, um, I'm actually really, really impressed to hear that you (laughs) work on cash because it's grown fast. So it must be going really well. It's grown fast. (laughs) And I mean, and and I am lucky and you know, and I was lucky that when I started Iron Board, I mean, I started Iron Board with $120 in the bank. That is wow. dead set. And the first person that bought a board, I went and actually purchased a cheese board from Chef's Hat. And then I went to the South Melbourne market and I told everyone I would pay them back the next week for the food. Oh, so, wow. I was like, Can I just, so I guess that's technically credit. <laughs> but I'd known them all my whole life. My mum and her and my godmother, her best friend, had been in the market my whole life. So I knew everyone. So I was like, can I just get like these dips and this and da, da, da. So... I mean, I was lucky, but I've, yeah, I've literally turned $120 into like what we have now. And wow. I would really encourage anyone in business, like if you can, don't worry about going all out. Don't worry about having the best branding and the best website. Like if you just want to start something small and grow it, just start with what you have. Like start where your feet are and then like let them run. Mm. And that is for me, even when I started I Am Thirsty, I was like, don't go, all, don't just put all your money into it. Just I mean, the branding like cost me a couple of thousand dollars and I was like, that'll do you for now. Like just get really nice branding and then we can do the rest later. Like we don't need to have, you know, huge dehydrators. Like, you know, people would start businesses and buy those big dehydrators and be like, okay, we're going all in. And it's like, that's great in theory, but sustainable growth is the most important thing for me. Yeah, same, same. I mean, people don't realise, I think 
when they look at our businesses now, they see what we have now, but they don't realise like what we started with and how slow it was like we originally started I couldn't even afford to have printed cartons like printed boxes (laughs) I remember when I got my first printed boxes (laughs) (laughs) so it's like we but we had to do a custom sized box because the baby bottle is unlike a wine bottle so I was like right that's the most important I'll do that but then we had no dividers so they were clinking around everyone in these boxes (laughs) and then like it was okay but eventually I was able to afford the dividers and then printed boxes boxes like a year in yeah and only now like doing yeah fun stickers and stuff like that so I totally get it and so just speaking of branding I know you take a lot of pride and care in your branding why do you think branding is such an essential part of what you guys do and why should I think people definitely can put it you know, in the back burner if they don't understand the value of it and you you said you've spent a few thousand dollars on it. It's quite an investment. Why did you invest that much in the beginning? I love branding. I'm yep. sure you do too. I mean, look at your product. And, yep. like, I love when a new brand launches and being like, oh, my God, look at their website and read the copy and, like, just get that feel, that story. Like, I'm so passionate about that and for no reason, <laughs> like, other than I just love it. Well, it makes you feel good and that's totally. really what buying anything is supposed to do. Right, and, like, <laughs> it's like you walk into Mecca and you're like, you know exactly how it's going to smell and you know exactly what you're going to buy and just the whole experience. I love all of that. So for me, I was like, we're selling dehydrated fruit. Like, it is such a simple product but it is so expensive to make. So... It needs to, like, look great. Because, like, you're not going to – if we just put a sticker on that said, like, dehydrated orange, and I call it, like, barcode branding. There's a lot of barcode branding. Mm-hmm. It's, like, very black and white, and it's that's fine, and there's totally a place for that. But for me, I was like, if we do that, it's just going to be like, where's the value? So I was like, it needs to actually represent, like, the product, the quality of the product. So it needs to be fun and exciting, and it needs to look, you know, at that next level. Yeah. So. I followed Lies on Instagram for a while and I just loved her stuff. Her stuff is really cute and colourful and flirty and I was like, I really want to work with her. And I remember I went to her and she came back with the quote and initially I was like, oh, yeah, like it's pretty expensive. When I got back the first, and it was eight products that we launched with, I was like, she has so undercharged me. <laughs> like, this really? is insane. Like the quality of her work and just the way she talked me through everything and she really sold me on this idea of like your branding tells your story and like obviously you know that but the way that she really explained to me how every element would break down and how we would use every element I was like this bitch knows what's up like (laughs) she's good so for me it was a no-brainer like given the product we needed excellent branding but Mm. as time has gone on our branding has become the most it's like the core of the whole business Mm. and I think people forget that people are like you just offer a great product or a great service and it's like but people don't know that when they look at it on a shelf they don't know whereas I feel like you know you look at our our both of our products I feel and you see the story you see the person like I see you in the baby bottle do you know what (laughs) I mean yes and then it's like I look at the shelves of I am thirsty and I'm like that's totally my personality just like jumping off the shelf so I mean, it it means everything to me, branding. It really does. It's the most important part of what we do every day and staying true to that brand and making sure that everything is consistent. And that doesn't mean it's curated or false. It just means that it's truly representative of who we are and what Mm. we do. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people definitely need need to hear that because they either think that they can do it themselves on on Canva or something, or you get so <laughs> mixed up with offering a great product and a great service, and you get lazy with the branding. But it's it's really is a core element to any business, especially ones like ours, but really any business at the moment. Obviously, I value it as well, but I know that you guys are. Just, I just love how you do it. So oh, thank you. It's interesting to hear that. Yeah, you you took the plunge into investing into it yeah. immediately. I mean, we had a little blue dehydrator, like, and it was like <laughs> we cannot make that much fruit with this little blue dehydrator. But God, the labels look good. Yes, <laughs> and they they do. They look amazing. And in saying that too, though, when we first got those labels printed, we got them from a little small printer here in Melbourne, just in Fitzroy, actually, and they were kind of like paper labels, and they weren't perfectly like what I wanted and then it took time for us to get up to like a laminate you know like yeah and so I like I think it's important to understand your product isn't just born and that's how it is Mm -hmm. like there's evolution to products and even with I am bored the first platter I did looked so different to the last platter I did you know and it's like it's okay to do that and you don't have to compare to like well when I look online and everyone's brands are perfect so I need to do that and I need to be at that level like just start with start where you are with what you have and as long as you love it and you believe in it and you invest in things like branding, you'll be fine. Mm. Like, you'll get there. And it's a real gut feel, isn't it, when you know that something doesn't look exactly right and you just, you just know when you're proud of something. And if you're going to have you know, a long-standing brand that has a lot of longevity, you're going to need to evolve the branding. The trends change so quickly. You know, the kinds of things you need to do change so quickly. I mean, from having to have specific graphics for TikTok videos or reels or even Instagram stories, you know, that wasn't a thing, I was going to say a few years ago, but, you know, once upon a time for long-standing brands. Yeah. Like, not a thing, and now it's like you've got to have brand gifts. Like, oh my God, <laughs> when will it end? But it's I fun. <laughs> it is fun. And it, it, yeah, it's it's fun to have. We're actually working on some new gifts at the moment. <laughs> um, and so just kind of changing pace a little bit. I know both you and I know how important it is to have a mix of those direct online sales and wholesale sales to get a mix of, you know, good profit margin, but also exposure. For us, that's selling on Shopify and then selling into places like Dance and BWS. Where do you find the most success at the moment? And is there one that you want to focus on more than the other? Yeah, so wholesale for us is definitely like killing it at the moment. So we wholesale to like obviously retailers who sell the product as it is, as you see it. But then we also wholesale to bars and restaurants who have it behind the bar and put it in your cocktails and you're out. And I actually love that because I love going to a bar or a restaurant and knowing that it's a thirsty yeah. lime or whatever. But I definitely want to grow our direct customer. Like I want to do that so badly, but I just really need to find the time to be like, okay, what are we doing? And I mean, it does okay, but it's not... It's not where it could be, but, and I know this is going to seem such like a backward step, but we're actually going to do some craft markets coming up, which is, yeah, no, no. but it's like, you just get, and it's what I said before, it's getting yourself in front of people and actually having the opportunity to stand there and be like, this is me, this is my product, this is, you know, whatever that I feel like I can't get across online. I think that getting feedback from that will help me with the online Yes. Stuff. Oh my God. We have so many similarities because <laughs> we, yes, it feels like a backward step, but because we haven't been able to do anything like that over COVID and yeah. you and I are such core parts of our business that does like translates a bit online, but not so much. Yeah. Like literally just on the weekend, I had 
a little tasting at like this lady who goes to my gym, her house, oh. and she was like, "Can I do a baby tasting at my house?" With like thirty of my friends, and you know, oh my God, I love it's, that. It's like a little Tupperware party. You yeah. know, it sounds like a backward step. It sounds tiny, but it's just so lovely to finally be able to see people drinking the product and talking to and them, just get feedback. Yes, like it's so important to get feedback. It's so hard to get that online because mm-hmm. the thing is, everyone online is either gonna love your product and be like, "Oh my God, I love it," or they're gonna be trolls and be like, "I hate this." and so it's like you don't get any of that in between of like this would be great if it was like this or I, I love that but what about this and it, like I'm so excited just to get that face-to-face like real-time feedback. It so. gives you a lot of confidence to see people's faces for me when they sip the gin um, you know or people when you know they see your product and yeah. actually are holding it and you do those like face-to-face sales, which, you know, neither of us have a shop front and probably (laughs) never will, but occasionally, yeah, tastings or markets, you get those little face-to-face sales, which is so lovely. I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where we're going. But wholesale at the moment, for sure, we're um, launching into a major supermarket and we're, again, sustainable growth. We're going to, like, select stores and then it will expand from there. But even, like, doing that, like, it's so overwhelming, but that's how you grow. And it's hard because it's like you want to hold it close to you, but it's like you've got to grow at some point. You've got to let let the bird fly, you know? So that's where we're at. That's really, really exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's stressful, but it's exciting. <laughs> and so I know you were saying before that you do find direct online sales hard. What drives the most sales for you? I was going to ask more in terms of direct online, in terms of Google or socials or... But interestingly, you know, you've just said that wholesale is killing it a lot more. How do you go about getting those wholesale customers and getting those wholesale sales? He's just reaching out to people. Yeah, just reaching out to people, calling people. Um, emails do not work. <laughs> so yeah. I wish they did. Yeah. But yeah, getting in front of people as much as you can. I'm lucky in that through Iron Board, I already knew a lot of people in like events, a lot of venues. So that really helped. And without Board, Thirsty wouldn't be where it was, be where it is because... I needed those people to actually get it up and going. Like Chef's Hat is probably one of our biggest sellers. So, mm. and I know them through Iron Board. So, it's a lot of who you know. Yeah. And I, I know that's disheartening to hear because there's going to be like, well, I don't really know. I don't anyone know anyone. Sell this, but it doesn't matter. Just get yourself in front of them, have great conversations. Like that's people just care about connection. If you can walk in the door and connect with someone, then like they're 10 times more likely and probably a million times more likely to buy your product than if totally. you just walk in and you're like, here, I have this, here's a sample, buy. Mm. So that's why that works. I mean, in terms of online, Google for us is number one, which is funny because we put a lot more effort into socials. Mm. Actually, here's a fun one for you. We spend literally $90 a month on Google ads, which is nothing. That's nothing, yeah. Like nothing. <laughs> and that is how the buyer from this major supermarket found us. How funny! I know. (laughs) Best $90 you can spend. Oh my gosh. So it's like you never know. And I mean, with socials, you kind of do know because you know who's following you and you know who they're following. It's like you get an idea of the market. With Google, it's like you don't know who is going to be, yeah, clicking on your ad. Mm. (laughs) So I recommend Google. I mean, if you can nail your socials, then I don't really put any budget into it. But sales mostly come from Google. Yeah, interesting. Also on that, I'm going to go back because I think this is important to note and I feel like it would be similar with your product. When you people will follow you on Instagram and be like, 
oh yeah, I love that. I'll buy that one day. Whereas if someone's Googling it, they're Googling it because they want to buy it. Like now. they're not like, oh, dehydrated oranges. I just wonder where you can get them. They're like, okay, I'm having a party next week. I need dehydrated oranges. Yeah. So with this product in particular, you really need, like you need people to want it in that moment. You can't really rely on them being like, oh, I'll remember that brand. Because they might, but you kind of want that immediate sale. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Like I think Instagram followers, I guess, just give your business, you know, it makes it look big and it's lovely to have lots of followers and it's lovely to have lots of views and likes and comments. But yeah, you're exactly right. At the end of the day, when are they actually going to buy? Totally. So the product that you make is quite dependent on food and drink trends. What do you think is the next big thing for you? I know this might be a little bit of like asking for your IP (laughs) or your ideas, but, you know, do you see it evolving into something else when the drink trends change or? I mean, I'm fully aware that our product is currently piggybacking on the fact that spirit sales are at an all-time high in Australia after COVID. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't deny that technically the product piggybacks on that. But, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what's next. We're launching red apples and pears in like two weeks. Yeah, cool. That's exciting. Over Easter, we're going to do a hot cross bun flavoured, like add it to the fruit, which is really nice. But I don't have any grand plans. I'm just... To be honest, I'm just riding this wave and just seeing where it will take me because I don't know, you know, like the things change so quickly. And I just saw that happen with Iron Board. We had this great thing going and then all of a sudden COVID came and I was like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Mm. So I'm not doing a lot of forward planning at the moment. Which, I mean, would disappoint so many people to hear because it's no, like, that's what you're meant to do. You're always launching new products yeah. and you've got this brand that's so buildable and can easily discontinue certain products and launch new products. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think you can ride this wave for a really long time in terms of just I the trends. One thing I love to do, Ellen, is dog treats. Yeah, you can dehydrate like chicken and stuff and make dog food. So, I mean, there's no plans to do that. But I'm like, I have this dehydrator. I could do it. The other day we were sitting there, we are like, obviously the world is a scary place at the moment. But, like, but if we go to war, we can actually make dehydrated like beef and chicken. And like, we have a business. Oh my God. Like, we're not going under. Like, we're good to go. Like, I mean, we're not like joking about it. But I was like, seriously, like you can do anything with these dehydrators. You got to think, you know, we <laughs> had COVID. You got to think about what's, what's seriously. what am I going to do with World War Three? <laughs> I think, I think the gin will be safe. You know, people like People are to always going to drink. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I mean, there's endless opportunities with these dehydrators. I would love to do dog treats, but no plans. And yeah, I, it's just, I've just said it here. <laughs> so if it I happens, this is an exclusive. If it doesn't, I love someone that. else should do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's a great idea. And just on that, you know, we always like to end every episode with a little bit of manifest time. I don't know how much you believe manifesting, but I'm a strong believer of it. And I love to kind of ask you if we got you back on the podcast in a year's time, what will you have done and achieved? You know, what will you be talking to us about then? I know you're already on Dan, <laughs> Dan Murphy's online. You're already going into a major supermarket. I mean, where to from there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I I absolutely believe in the power of manifestation. I really do. But right now, what I'm manifesting in my life is more time, more fun, more freedom, more travel. So, I mean, I hate to be like business-wise, I don't know. But in my life, I hope that I can sit here in a year's time and be like, I've just had the best year. And it's just been crazy and we've been busy and I've been travelling around. And, like, that's what I – after COVID, that's all I care about. I'm not – I actually – 
money does not motivate me. I have no interest in coming back and being like, and I'm a billionaire, like, move yes. over Kim Kardashian. But if I can come back next year and say, business is going well and I have so much time for myself and my friends and my family... I'll be happy. I love that answer. And I think that should be everyone's answer, including (laughs) mine. I need to keep that in mind. I always say on this podcast that we're kind of anti-hustle culture, (laughs) anti, you know, work, work, work yourself to the bar. And it's so important to just have time to live life. Totally. And I mean, I did that with I Am Bored. And let me tell you, I was not happy. I was not fulfilled. I felt like I had no time. So for me now... I'm like, I've learned that the hard way. Yeah. But we're taught that we have to, or that we should be doing that and that you're only going to reach your full potential when you're essentially like half dead. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But that's not going to make you happy. So I think it's so important for, yeah, especially women business owners who typically take on a lot, especially if you're looking to have a family or you have a family, you know, we take on a lot as women (laughs) and it's so important to have that time to ourselves. Otherwise our business isn't going to be very long lived because we are going to burn out. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And who knows, I might not be single this time next year. Maybe we'll manifest that. I mean, I'm not too worried about it right now, but probably in another year I might be. Yeah, let's manifest that. We'll flag that one. (laughs) Well, cheers to that, Mads. Thank you so much for being here. And um, yeah, thank you for spilling the tea. I learned a lot and I hope the listeners did too. (laughs) See ya. Bye. This episode of Spill the Tea and Tea is brought to you by Baby Pink Gin, Australia's award-winning premium pink gin. We like to keep our baby girls hydrated, so use the code SPILL10 to get 10% off all orders at babypinkgin.com. Find new episodes of the podcast every second Wednesday at midday. Make sure to hit the follow button or subscribe wherever you're listening. And last but not least, stay up to date by following at Spill the GNT Podcast on Instagram or visit at babypinkgin on all social platforms. See you next time, baby! Baby Pink Gin does not condone the act of binge drinking or excessive alcohol consumption. Baby Pink Gin should never be consumed by anybody under the legal age of drinking. Remember to always drink wise and sip, don't scull. For more information on safe drinking practices, visit drinkwise.com.au.